This morning's scripture reading will come from Luke, the first chapter. We'll be reading verses 46 through 55. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. If you'd like to follow along in one of the Bibles located in the pew in front of you, it's located on page 904, 904. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. It is so good to see you this morning, and I would just like to take the opportunity to say Merry Christmas to you, and a happy holiday season. See, I work in a place where I can say that. Uh, I'd like to quickly plug the 2012 uh, reading plan, our daily Bible reading plan that our congregation has. Um, I think there's a picture of it on slide two there, and uh, you will find these booklets uh, in, in many locations, one of which is going to be on the pew that you're sitting on right now. Uh, if you forget or want to grab one on your way out, they are at the entrances. And I think the third place that, that uh, they exist is at Information Central. And what you'll notice is it is kind of lightweight, but uh, it, it is a little thinner than the plan that we had last year. But it's no less uh, challenging or enjoying to go through. It has weekly readings and you can check those readings off uh, every day uh, that you read throughout the week it has a summary on what you will be reading to kind of help you along before you get into the text just to kind of of prime you for that and it also has a section on notes where you can make your own notes uh, and then an additional reading out of psalms and other sections of the bible Uh, we've tried to Tim has, has worked really hard on this, and uh, major thanks to the Bass family for printing this for us, and we want to encourage you to read. This will fit right in your Bible. You can take it with you as you go. Um, I don't know if you have an iPad or something else. Well, we'll just have to email you a, a PDF, but uh, make sure that you take one of these, that you take one of these also for some of your family members, and you take advantage of going through the year 2012 Uh, with the plan from the beginning guide, getting in to God's Word. Now, second of all, before the lesson, I want to give a disclaimer. We are talking about a text near the subject of the birth of Jesus Christ, and today, it's Christmas Day, and this is where I could get myself into a lot of trouble and and, uh, get onto a polarizing issue, but I'm not arguing today whether or not Jesus was born or he wasn't born on Christmas Day. Uh, 
I don't even want to address that. I would just like to conveniently sidestep that issue this morning. Our texts and our songs this morning have to deal with the, the subject that all Sundays have in common, Jesus Christ. And with that being said, I'd much rather talk about a less sensitive, a less polarizing, a less emotional topic. Pregnant women. See, I was, I was going to know how my whole morning was going to go right when I said that. I cannot imagine being pregnant. There must be too many difficulties that go with that. But to keep it on the lighter side, I do want to read for you a a quote from a mother online who writes about some less difficult and more comical moments she encounters during her pregnancy. She recalls, Okay, so because I'm pregnant now, some funny things have happened. Not only do I forget everything I was going to say just a few seconds ago and can fall asleep anywhere at any time, There are a few specific times that I was definitely pregnant. The first one was on the way home from California. We stopped to to eat on the way out. I was trying to squeeze through some people and I, I sucked in. Totally thought I had it. But I totally knocked this girl in her purse with my belly. Along with having the belly now, the other day when I was making banana bread, I reached for the pan up on the top shelf of the cupboard and totally stuck my belly into the mix, got all over my shirt. I really need to get used to this thing. While thinking through how to preach our text this morning, one question repeatedly jumped out at me. John Michael, why did you pick this text? Why on earth did you do it? It's not easy for me to relate to the character speaking the verses that were read for us this morning. I can't imagine living 2,000 years ago. I can't imagine living 2,000 years ago as a, as a woman, and at that, a woman who's expecting, and at that, a woman who is expecting the very Son of God to be birthed through her. We have before us this morning a text that is spoken by Mary, who bore the unique an honorable privilege of bearing God's Son into the world. And while Mary is pregnant with Jesus, she composes this poem, this song, and she speaks it in company with Elizabeth, her relative, who also at the time is pregnant with John the Baptist. And in Luke one forty six through 55 it's often called Mary's Song, or the Magnificat. Uh, Magnificat is is a Latin word based off the Latin version of this scripture translated about 1,500 years ago, and it's the first line of this verse, and magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's the connection there. And what you notice upon first reading of, of the text is the beauty, the artistry, the simplicity of the text. But upon further reading and exploration, you will find that there is so much more going on here than a simple song of praise. There are some deep biblical truths within this passage. And by the end of our study this morning, I think that that you and I will find that we have more in common with Mary than we think we do, no matter our age, no matter our gender, no matter what time we were born into this world or background. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. Uh, It was mentioned on page 904 in your pew Bibles. It's on the screen for you. You will notice here in the context that Mary's just been uh, uh, recently informed that she would be bearing Jesus and that her relative Elizabeth, who used to be barren, by the way, uh, is also expecting a boy named John. 
In verse 39 of chapter 1, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. At the greeting of Mary, uh, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb and she is filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to bless Mary. And Mary, in turn, gives you the reply. This is her song that she, that she writes. Let's uh, read this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let's look at the flow of the text here. The first verses, uh, verses 46 and 47, is Mary's praise to God, and it's often the most popular lines of this whole passage. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, Notice there there are some similarities here between this song and many of the Old Testament songs. You may recall uh, Moses and Miriam, when they got on the other side of the sea with Israel, sang a song of praise to God. it kind of mirrors, uh, this song kind of mirrors that. When Hannah learns that she will, she will be able to bear a son and call him Samuel and, and be able to dedicate him to the Lord, she sings a song, and this song mirrors that one. And this song is uh, typical of so many other songs that are found in the Old Testament. There's some parallelism going on here. Kind of like a, a thought echo. Look at the two words there. My soul and my spirit. Soul and spirit are used in tandem here uh, to, to kind of build a motif, to identify the deep feeling of joy and gratitude that Mary is experiencing right now. Uh, soul here can be defined as the center of, of inner human life and its many and varied aspects, especially feelings and emotions. A spirit here has a similar but kind of a, a distinct meaning in and of itself. It can be defined as a part of the human personality, the source and seed of insight, feeling, and will, generally as the representative of human inner life. These two terms are working together here. From where does Mary's praise come? It comes from her soul. It comes from her spirit together. It comes from the, the, most, uh, the inmost part of her being, and it, it flows out to God. One, there are outward things that people can notice about you. Uh, for example, our words, our possessions, our clothes, our habits, uh, what we like and don't like. For example, when you went Christmas shopping this year, you went out to a store and you said, so-and-so would like that. Or so-and-so would have invented that or bought that. Or they would be interested in that. Or so-and-so would do this in that situation. There are external things that identify us on the outside. But then there's the inward There's the soul, there's the spirit of a person. And this is priceless and eternal. You can take away all the externals and you will still have the soul and its identity, regardless of what happens on the outside. You know what it's like to have one of these. 
You can think things and you can say things to people and you can fake it on the outside, but on the inside you will feel a a particular way no matter what you do externally. It takes a long time to change the will, the emotions, the, the inmost feelings of the inner self, the soul. Also, feelings, emotions, and thoughts of the soul are are going to be genuine, always. You could say that this is our true self, this is our true feelings towards someone or something. Now, all that said to say this, Mary is pouring forth praise to God from her inmost soul or spirit. It is genuine. It is deep. And she really believes and feels good about what she's saying. I think we could take that for granted if we just rush into the text and say, oh, she's singing a song here. What could cause Mary to feel this way? To praise God on such a deep level. Why why utter verses 46 and 47? Uh, The key to that is in verse 48. She is praising God. For what reason does it give? For he has looked upon his servant and... And he's given me favor in my lowly state. Imagine that. It's kind of surprising, and yet not surprising that God would look upon us, right? I mean, he made us, so he looks upon us, but it's not to check up on us and bring us down. It's with favor. God, who created us, who spoke us into existence just with the very words that he's invented, also looks upon us with favor. That's why Mary's praising God. Also notice Mary's attitude. She's not thinking of herself too highly. And you may point that out as, hey, that's an obvious fact in this sentence. But remember that many people lose sight of who Mary is. And they kind of put her on a pedestal. And they say, uh, we almost worship her because of who she bore into the world, Jesus Christ. But notice here that Mary is not thinking of herself in that way. She describes herself as lowly in stature, as, as humble in a state, and praising God with gratitude for the fact that he has looked upon her. When you expect something from someone, you, you don't really stop to praise them for giving, uh, for giving something to you that you're entitled to. You just kind of say, okay, very good, I, I, you've done what was expected. But when somebody gives you a gift with favor towards you and you didn't expect it, what's the natural reaction? Natural reaction is, is to feel kind of humbled, to feel grateful, to feel uh, warm feelings toward that person in thanksgiving. Well, that is what Mary is experiencing here. She's not expecting God to give her favor. She didn't feel like she was entitled to bear Jesus into the world or to bear that privilege. So she praises God in thanksgiving and gratitude for this honor. In fact, the very next couple of verses emphasize this point even further. Look at what she says later after uh, verse 48, right halfway through verse 48. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Mary says that all generations will call her blessed, And some interpreters will read this and say, uh, there you have it right there. That's the reason why Mary is to be honored above all human beings, above all women. We are to uh, even address her in prayer, and and that's okay. This is one of those verses where people get sidetracked and put the focus on Mary. But notice what Mary is doing here. She says that 
She'll be called blessed by all following generations. And then she gives the reason why she will be called blessed. It's not because she is holy in and of herself. It's not because she is adequate to birth Jesus Christ, the Savior, into the world. It's actually not about her. Look at the next sentence. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And then she goes on for the next six verses, praising not herself, but God. It's all about God, and none of it has to do with her except the part that God looked upon her, lowly in state, with favor. Mary's song is not about Mary. It never was meant to be. It's about God. This is where you and I begin to relate to this ancient character. No matter our gender, no matter our age, no matter what era we were born into, there's something universal about experiencing God looking down upon us with favor when we didn't deserve it. And there's something universal about feeling a a deep sense of praise and worship and thanksgiving toward God based on his grace towards us. Even now, Jesus has made that access to God universal, giving us further calls to, to keep praising him. And I guess people can exalt Mary in this text because it's the natural thing to do as a human being. Think about it. What is a huge fear that most human beings have? Is it not the feeling that we will never be good enough? Is it not the feeling that we will always be inadequate or that we have something to prove, that we have to give someone a reason to respect us or value us or or stay with us in life? That's a very universal thing. It comes with a territory of being human. But as children of God commanded to be transformed and conformed to God's image, that type of, of motivation is something we must lay aside and pick up the gospel of Christ. It's one of those things the gospel was meant to eliminate from our lives. Mary could have thought much of herself as the bearer of the Messiah, but since she didn't, and since she placed total trust and praise in God, Mary was released <clears throat> from the bond of always trying to be adequate in and of herself and then coming up short. Mary had a biblical view of humility, And her humility is kind of a model in this text. It's a deep biblical truth that's apparent in all songs of praise sung to God. It's so easy to misunderstand humility. But notice that Mary is humble here. She's not down on herself or in despair because she's in a lowly state. She's also not full of herself. Rather, she is fully focused upon God and therefore realizes her place in the grand scheme of things. Adequate and inadequate goes out the window when we have God at the center of the universe and us somewhere on the outside in the right place. It's okay to be adequate. And guess what? It's okay when God is in the right view in your mind and you're humble. It's okay to be inadequate at something. It's definitely okay to miss the standards of value set by the world because the last time I checked... The world didn't send any Savior into the world to save itself. The only thing the world did with regards to salvation was kill the Savior that brought salvation to it. It's okay to fall short of the standards and the values set by the world because the world never was the standard of anything except rebellion against God. Go right ahead, church. Be inadequate in the world's eyes. Fail time and time again to measure up to the standards of value set by the world. 
that kind of failing will only draw you closer to the standards of God and to a proper view of humility of God and yourself. We can cry out from this text, like Mary, we can sing a song of praise and we can cry out, God, we are inadequate and we are tired of trying to measure up. God will show us a better way. He will pick us up and he will say to us, you don't have to be good enough. I have sent my son and he has made you good enough. He has blessed you and made you worthy. And then we, like Mary, can cry out, from now on with Christ in me, all generations will call me blessed, not because I am worthy of myself, not because I'm better than anyone but because he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has looked upon my humble state with favor. Praise God for that. It's not about me. It's about God. That's why, that's why I sing my song of praise. The end of, of verses 48 and 49 does not see the end of Mary's deep, heartfelt praise for God. She continues on to list great things about the Lord. There is a new motif beginning in verse, uh, in verse 50 here. You'll see a new word here. Mercy. Mary praises God for his favor towards her. And then she praises God for his mercy, which extends to generations upon generations to those who fear God. Because of this mercy, God initiates a new way of doing things. Uh, The usual laws of retribution and equality and justice do not apply. Instead, God protects and shows mercy to those who humble themselves and fear him. Listen to the the following actions taken uh, in the remaining verses, the contrast between the different types of actions and what the Lord does to show mercy to people. He has shown strength What kind of strength? Well, he scattered the proud. He brought down the mighty from their thrones. But he exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry, but he has sent the rich empty away. He helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God tips the scales for those who fear him. God shows favor to those of lowly estate, even when the last thing deserved is mercy or favor. To people like Mary, to people like us, that is something worth praising God for every day. I know what I'm about to say is going to be a little far out. And I thought long and hard while writing this sermon of a different way to say it, but I know that if I say it this way, you will remember it. So here goes. We have to be pregnant. Guys, you too. We have to be pregnant in the sense that Christ dwells in us, that we are not worthy of the honor to have Christ dwelling in us, but that God put Christ in us and made us worthy of that honor, and therefore we sing a song of praise to Him with our life. We have to sing a song of praise to God with our souls magnifying Him, our spirits rejoicing in Him, not because of ourselves, but because He looked on us with favor. Mary's song is our song. And I can't relate to a woman who lived 2,000 years ago. 
I have difficulty relating to a woman who's pregnant today, let alone one that lived pregnant 2,000 years ago. And I definitely can't relate to a woman who was bearing the Son of God 2,000 years ago. But when I read Mary's song, I suddenly realize that maybe, just maybe, I can relate. You can relate too, and we all can relate to someone who writes a song about being lowly, And then God coming along and redeeming them, even when they didn't deserve it. Of blessing them with the highest honor of putting His grace upon them. We can relate to someone saying, everyone will call me blessed from now on. And it's because of what the Lord has done for me. Praise God for His grace. Praise God for His his favor and His taking note of us and His mighty deeds that He has done in the past that He is doing in our lives, that He's going to keep doing from now on until the day He comes back with that final mighty deed of conquering death and taking home His children. Imagine within your head right now a woman with child expecting. Imagine the potential, the excitement, the love that exists And in those moments of her life, take that for a moment and apply it to Christ dwelling inside of you. Imagine the potential, the excitement, the the love in those moments of your life. I like the way the text phrases it in the second half of verse 48. From now on, from now on, Things will be different. And if you are in Christ, they will be different. Kind of like bearing children, those moments will not be easy. They will not be painless, but they will be deep and meaningful and different. Once a woman is pregnant, she may think often of that phrase, from now on. She may think of, from now on, I'm going to eat different. From now on, I'm going to change my habits. And once that baby is born, from now on, I'm there for, I'm there for the child. From now on, things will be different. As new creatures in Christ, we can think of that phrase too. From now on, I don't have to live the way the world tells me to. From now on, I don't have to dwell in fear and hatred. From now on, I don't have to be a slave to the old ways. From now on, I will live for the sole purpose of glorifying God. And one day I will conquer and reign with Christ. From now on. I want to close with verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And there's a very important phrase here. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Notice the promise there. Notice the assurance that is there when God says he'll do something. He's going to do it. His track record proves it. The present moment of Jesus Christ in, inside of Mary proves it. And the future is only going to make that more obvious with the promises of God. God does not re- neglect his children. He does not shrink his family and seek to, to wipe people out of it by adding standards and more laws. God seeks to grow his children in stature and in number. And he's made it possible for everyone here to be his child through His Son, Jesus Christ. God assures you a place in His family. The status of a son or a daughter to Him. 
the status of a brother or sister to Jesus Christ himself. God promises that. And you can have the spirit and status of Jesus Christ in you today by believing in him, by confessing his name before men as the son of God, by repenting of your sins, by being baptized for the forgiveness of those sins is something only God could do. Things can be different for you from now on. If you've already begun your life with Christ, but you've ceased living a life of thanksgiving and praise to God, or you need the support or the prayers of the church, let us encourage you. Let us help you at this time. From now on, that happens every Sunday. Every Sunday, every day you wake up, you have the chance for things to be different, to praise God, not because of you, but because of what He's done for you. Praise God. Won't you let us help you, encourage you in any way as we stand and as we sing?